you know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face. Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. Hey, Jason, what's happening? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, if you're not familiar with the podcast, if you're just now uh, tuning in, uh, you should go back and listen to the other episodes because they're really good. But we do have a sponsor. It's Arms Corps, and we are happy to have Arms Corps as our sponsor. They're major supporters of what we're doing, and we couldn't be happier. But we would love more sponsors. So if you're listening and you know somebody or you yourself would like to help out, you can hit us up, info at WTTA.org or admin at WTTA.org. Uh, you can get a hold of Mike there and uh, work things out because we would love to have financial support for what we're continuing to do. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, brother. I'm excited for today's show. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me out today. I know we had started off a little, little bumpy with some technical difficulties, but... Uh, uh, super excited to be out here today. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to have you. I was I was telling Jake while we were kind of waiting for you to get back on after you fixed your lighting issue because um, he was like, "Do you guys have you guys hung out?" And I said, "No, but it's weird because I've seen your face so much because I used to go to all the Golden Knights game <laughs> and and I honestly, you know, when you look at somebody and you don't know what their story is, but they they pan to you all the time during the Knights games. So yeah. I thought you were like an employee of the stadium. Right. <laughs> like a high How does this man. guy get this job? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, and then one day I, I end up going to a function for uh, uh, barbecue for 22 or BBQ for 22 and you roll up. So I think it's like even cooler that you you know, you're this recognizable face, but you do all this great work to the community, you know, cause you look at somebody, you're always like, I wonder what his deal is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That was, um, that was for WSP. That was, uh, for warrior suicide prevention. Oh, that's, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But barbecue for 22 was hosting that for us though. Yeah. That was uh, a great event. You know, as, as we talk about all the, the, the changes that are going on with, you know, suicide prevention and everything that you guys are doing to kind of help along those lines as well. But yeah, I guess it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic for me to be, uh, you know, a, a semi recognizable face out here in the community, but uh, <laughs> you, you have to do that all the time, though, right? Like when you're at dinner. Well, back when you could go to dinners and <laughs> yeah, right. When, let's talk about how we missed those times. But yeah, it's pretty funny. You get recognized. I I, I want to know how you came into that because you, your your handle is like um, VGK Wolverine or Wolverine VGK or something. And and for for people who are listening who don't know, Mike, Mike and Jason both live in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas has the Golden Knights hockey team. They're in the NHL. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know because I haven't been down to see any games, but apparently you're you, you kind of look like Wolverine. Uh, you've got the you've got the, the 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 beard that definitely you know like hugs <laughs> your chin and the, and the hair and and you're very fit. Um, but I don't know how this all came into being. Apparently you're now a, somewhat of a celebrity in the the hockey realm. 
Yeah, it's uh, it was literally, I, I chalk it all up to my daughter. It was, uh, I had just retired from the Air Force, um, you know, did 24 years. And I do what every veteran does when they, you know, first retire. That's grow your hair and refuse to shave. <laughs> so I was, I was rocking a pretty fat, you know, uh, beard all the way around. Um, and my daughter was super into watching X-Men, um, you know, just loved the show. And Halloween was coming around. Uh, right about the time that the Knights uh, preseason first year was uh, also getting ready to kick off. Um, so my daughter had told me, hey, Dad, you should go and shave your beard and be Logan so we can be X-Men for Halloween together. And I was like, you're out of your mind. I'm not going to be Logan for Halloween. You know, lo and behold, you know, there goes the procrastination. It's getting closer to Halloween. And I'm like, well, I guess I, guess I got nothing else. And, you know, my daughter asked me, so... I go to the bathroom and I start basically, you know, hacking down a little bit. And about halfway through, I was like, huh, I think I might be able to pull this off a little bit, you know? So I had uh, set myself up for success for Halloween. And uh, it was literally two days later, I was going into the, uh, the first preseason game for the Knights. And right where my seats are, there's basically a camera guy that's pretty close. And I'm sure they saw me coming down the stairs. and like, what, what is this guy right here? You know, so they locked on me, uh, put me up on the Nitron and had a, the first celebrity lookalike, which was a picture of uh, Hugh Jackman uh, as Wolverine and my face next to it. And, you know, it said celebrity impersonator. And from there, it just blew up every game because I am a season ticket holder for the Knights. So um, then they just kind of panned out. And, you know, if the crowd needed to get going, you know, they pan up on me and I just get a little wild, <laughs> a little scream action, get my money's worth out of it. You know, try to try to just get things going up. So the million dollar question is: You do or don't walk down Fremont Street asking right. for donations? <laughs> no, no, I've never. I've, I'm not even kidding. I have never gotten even a single cent for this. I've never had anybody ask to take a picture and then like handed me five dollars. You know, but I guess you know if times are rough right now, maybe I should go down to Fremont. Right? Maybe you're missing out on a whole revenue stream. My my cousin actually, I think the first game I attended was with my cousin, and we just concluded that you were one of those guys that also was into hockey. (laughs) Oh, he must do Wolverine like on his off time. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, what is this guy's doing? Right? Because it is Vegas, and those people are all over the streets all the time. You know, you can't go down, you know, Las Vegas Boulevard without feeling, you know, obligated to spend five bucks for a picture with, you know, share or something. Right. Or something. <laughs> hey, uh, so I'm, I'm detecting a, a little bit of an accent. I don't, you're not originally from Vegas, I'm guessing. Is it somewhere in the eastern seaboard, maybe? No, you know, funny that I get that a lot. And I, 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 maybe it's due to the hockey culture. Um, but no, I grew up in, I grew up in Colorado. Huh. Maybe it is. Yeah. You're just around a lot of guys from, from the north who say, whoa. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you're you're retired Air Force and um and we we've we've had uh, Chris Jackamick on the show before too. He's also another Air Force guy and Yeah, uh, he's the, a good buddy, great guy. Yeah, for for the audience, um there's a there's starting to become this pretty tight circle of people in Nevada who are serving on these challenge teams, as they call them. There's, there's the mayor's challenges and the governor's challenge and the challenges to reduce veteran suicides. And so, you know, in steps walk the talk America with our suicide prevention efforts, you know, in the realm of guns and mental health and the firearms community and firearms community tends to be a, a pretty, pretty smooth transition for guys who leave the military who still, you know, want to go shooting and stuff like that. 
And so Jason serves on this uh, on one of these committees with Chris and me and Mike and a whole bunch of other people. Mark Gorodetzer's been on the show. We mentioned BBQ for 22. And um, and I'm curious now what your efforts are because you do the, the veterans hockey thing and you do warrior suicide prevention. You do all this, this, this stuff out in the community. And I think it's worth telling the story of how you got into it. Uh, you know, personally, but then also like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, as far as where you want to go and where you want to see this, uh, you know, making an impact. Yeah. You know, um, or I got into it, you know, I, I think you know, I've always played and been around hockey most of, most of my life growing up in Colorado. Um, and Vegas was the one thing that was missing out of Vegas was an NHL team. Um, and so when the Knights came, it kind of just brought this, um, brought this sport that is is very dynamically similar to um, some of the same feelings that guys get and the bonding and the tightness um, that hockey does around being almost in war. Um, it's kind of that brotherhood that, you know, working as a team, um, mental stress, physical demand that comes along with it. So me and uh, another of my buddies were just, you know, out on a pickup game. And, and we decided that, you know, I think we have an opportunity to bond the two together. You know, let's start getting, you know, some veterans out together, playing the game, playing hockey. Um, and so when we first started kind of creating this foundation, we, we realized that Vegas is kind of a hidden gem when it comes to how many veterans are actually living out here. Um, and then how many were actually associated with playing hockey. It seems like Vegas is a transplant you know, city anyways, not everybody is very rare. People are, are actually born and, you know, raised here and have stayed here, but there's a huge community from the Midwest, you know, Detroit, Ohio, um, you know, basically where a lot of hockey was played and it was very easy to start forming this and starting to see a bunch of veteran guys come out, um, starting to grow. And we basically wanted to make sure that we could create an environment that was safe, kind of, you know, non-aggressive and just enjoy the sport because it really does bond the guys together on the ice. You know, what we'd learn um, in the locker room is so amazing. And it's just that, just that tightness that you kind of miss during that transitional period when you first get out of the military. Um, you kind of miss that companionship. You miss that bond. And we wanted to do something that would help be able to reduce that stress factor, you know, of being alone, being isolated, being changed, being, you know, away from your buddies that you can kind of, you know, depend on and, and hockey and basically, you know, the two, the sport just, it's like what I like to say is peanut butter and honey. The two are just sticky when they get together, you know? Um, so it's grown. It's, it, it's grown to a point where I didn't really originally think it was going to get this big, this fast. So currently right now I open up my bench app and if I want to go have a Saturday skate, you know, there's 78 guys right now, 78 veterans that are ready to come out and put on skates and play right now. Um, the words getting out, we're starting to get uh, involved with USA hockey as basically we now the Vegas veterans hockey foundation now represents Nevada as the Nevada warrior hockey team. So we play other, other basically disabled veteran hockey teams across the U S mostly located out on the East coast and the Midwest, Minnesota, uh, Boston, a lot of the NHL teams have an affiliate. Uh, we have not, partnered yet with the Knights for that. So we're basically just underneath uh, USA hockey, but we do represent Nevada now as the warrior team for Nevada. That's um, so cool. that's kind of 
the foundation, the hockey foundation in a nutshell, you know, what we're really trying to do is, is, is basically take the nonprofit and make it a cookie cookie cutter type environment where we can take this to like Utah, where we know that Utah is another place where there's tons of veterans that have retired out there. They have sheets of ice, but you don't hear anything about a foundation or anything like that for veterans in Utah that are looking to play hockey or anything, or the same thing in New Mexico, Albuquerque, huge, another big city that has ice rinks, but doesn't have a, basically a program. So we're trying to kind of show people in the future, Hey, this is how you can create this, you know, get involved with your local ice rinks, get a good board of directors, um, get donations. Like you talked about, that's one of the most important and, and difficult factors is being able to get the funding to create and do this. So in a nutshell, that's like, we would like to get it to go is, is to just get it bigger. The, the donations, obviously, for salaries um, and, you know, keeping people involved. But um, does part of that go to ice time or do you find that ice time is donated? You know, we were um, before COVID, we were we were getting some some great donations from Las Vegas Ice Center um, that were basically donating our ice time to us. Um, now, post COVID, it's, you know, financially things have have dried up. So basically uh, for us to get the guys out on the ice, um we basically have to purchase that ice ourselves. And it's, it's basically 300 bucks an hour, 350, depending on where you're at. So it does go rather quickly. Uh, but no, the, the funding for us is 100% nonprofit 501 C three. It goes directly into purchasing ice, purchasing equipment. Cause that's the real big thing is that right. I didn't get a chance to discuss what we're really trying to do is involve the families. Cause as you guys know, um, a veteran's success is so dependent on his inner core and his family and that structure that helps him, you know, through daily life. So it's just as important to not just reach the veteran, but reach their, reach their family, reach their kids and make sure that we give them the opportunities to step out on the ice. Uh, we have open skates where we try to do family events. Um, we don't want this. It's not just a local you know, veteran group for guys to just go and skate. That's not what we're about. The whole thing is how do we take this and now give back to the community of Las Vegas? Are we going to work with shade tree? Are we doing things for three square um, Reese across America? We try to now take the guys that we've brought together and created this tight bond with hockey, but now going out and using that platform and making Las Vegas better, you know, going in with child Haven or foster adoption system. It's important that veterans have that sense of always giving back because that's kind of how we started off serving. You have that openness to and willingness to kind of to give back. And that's what we kind of want to strive to continue to do is now make Vegas even a better community through the foundation. I w- I'm curious how somebody maintains a skill set through 24 years of service. How do you, how do you skate when you're, when you're like, I get playing catch with a ball, right? Yeah. You could be on deployment in the middle of Iraq and throw a baseball, but how do you, how do you skate and stay sharp? Yeah, there was definitely no ice rinks out in, uh, in some of the deployed locations that I was at in, uh, in Afghanistan or Iraq. No, no kidding though. No joke in, um, in Prince Sultan air base, there was a roller floor that some of the guys literally I don't even know how this thing got created and when we're talking about a roller floor we're talking about like parts and pieces of tarmac stuff that they found out you know they literally just located and and busted out hangers it was like a sheet of plywood and basically created a small rink for roller hockey so I actually have played a little roller hockey 
in, 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 you know, out in Saudi Arabia years ago, this was about 10 years ago, but, um, I think, you know, you, it's, I guess skating is maybe like a bike. I don't know. You, you kind of jump back on it every once in a while. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say that when we say preserve our, my skills, it's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say I'm a very great hockey player. <laughs> I, I have a question because I, all my life I've never played hockey. I, I, you know, the places I was, that wasn't the sport, the common sport. Yeah. Um, but I've always heard it's such an expensive sport. Right? It is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. So how do you, like, if, if I'm a, you know, if, if I find this organization and I'm like, I'm a vet, I would love to be out there with my guys. Um, do you have any, is there any parts of your program that help with getting them the skates and the equipment? Yep. hundred percent. That's another okay. big thing that we do is that we make sure that uh, we like right now we have a lot of used and donated equipment that's been given to us um, through awesome. other charities, through, you know, Las Vegas ice center, some of the guys that have played, um, you know, some refurbished stuff. So we do actually have skates, helmets, um, you know, we're trying to actually get to a point where we can partner with CCM or Bauer or somebody that says, Hey, these guys have this great program. We'd like to be able to outfit a brand new veteran that's ready to step out on the ice and give them that first set of gear that they don't have to come out of pocket for. Cause mm-hmm. you never know, you know, it, it's super expensive. You're right. Um, you know, pants, skates, gloves, the equipment is it's up around eight, $900, for somebody from head to toe to jump out on the ice the first time. So it is expensive. Um, so we do try to offset that. And, you know, that's all comes through funding and uh, through donations from sponsors is that we have that little bit of a slush fund um, to do that. And right now we're still kind of trying to work out on some initial uh, partnerships with uh, city national and some of the places that could kind of do a, a sizing, you know, Hey, we get a veteran, we send them there. Um, they give us a reduced rate on equipment and then we just pay, pay directly to them. So we're in the works on trying to get that done. It's not solidified yet. So right now we're just basically off of donations and, you know, for gear. No, that's great. You know, the biggest thing is include everyone, right? I mean, I, that's it. Right. That are well off are probably gonna be right. like, hey, man, I don't need, you know, I'm just here to skate. I get, you know, I yes. want to be it's hundred percent. You know, we like to get to the point where we get this big enough that, you know, a veteran's family, we understand that, you know, getting kids into youth hockey is ridiculously expensive as well. Um, it's such a great sport and it provides so much growth opportunity for them just outside of the sport. You know, it teaches you uh, teamwork, companionship, uh, compassion. Um, you know, the sport itself just builds good fundamentals in human beings. So we like to be able to, you know, have the opportunity to take a veteran's family um, and put their kid on the ice, put them through a learn to skate program, help them start off those initial costs. Um, you know, so we have the platform on what we want to do. Now it's just driving the train to get the funding, to be able to get there and do that. Do you guys charge dues at all or is it free? You know what? Right now we don't No. Um, so far we have been lucky enough that we were kind of getting some donated ice, getting a little bit of the funding, um, and the main thing was, is that we never really wanted it to charge the veterans. We wanted this to be a program right. that they could buy into that we supported them. Um, but, you know, unfortunately our, our board of directors did meet and, you know, we're not being able to really give them what they need, get the ice time, get that bonding at least twice a month. So we are looking at kind of offsetting some of the funds for them. So if we do have a skate or a tournament, or a gameplay that's coming up, we may have to start taking some small donations from the veterans themselves, which would kind of in turn be like a dues. I get, um, 
I get the idea of wanting to keep it low cost or no cost, um, but something yeah. that just popped into my head, and I'll ask you this too. I don't know veterans that don't work, and I don't know how you do this all on the side, <laughs> like if you have a job and a family, but do these guys work? Do you work? Like, what, What's your day job while you're coordinating all these things? <laughs> yeah, most retirees, I mean, maybe it's a little different because we also have a lot of guys that are still active duty. I got guys at Nellis and Creech that come out and skate with oh, us cool. still. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually just had a guy that came back from deployment in Iraq. So we do keep tracks and, and tabs on the, you know, our members itself. It's important, you know, it's a small family. We want to build that. But yeah, mostly everybody has, you know, day-to-day jobs. So we do try to, you know, find the ice time that is on the weekends or in the evenings. Um, I still dabble around here and there with a little bit of uh, contracting for the Air Force, um, some air transportation and stuff that, that comes along. But um, yeah, mostly everybody, you know, nowadays, gosh, I wish I didn't have to work at all. That'd be great. But uh, I, at least being retired, it affords me the opportunity to kind of pick and choose um, when I want to engage in doing some contracting or not. Yeah. What did, what did you do in the Air Force? What was your, what was your detail or your assignment? I was a, I was a loadmaster. So I flew on C-130s and C-17s. So, yep. Put, put, put putting the stuff on and off for those of us who are the uninitiated is that you're, you're loading things and unloading them. Yeah. So, uh, basically a load of mass was, uh, on the aircraft I was, I flew on, it was, uh, basically it's a three man aircraft. So you had a pilot co-pilot and then me as a loadmaster. So, uh, yeah, you're basically in charge of all of the loading weight and balance, uh, fuel distribution and flight, you know, um, hydraulics. And then during some of the combat, you know, doing combat airdrops, giving the, the guys basically dumping stuff out of the back of the airplane over, Oh, over hostile environments, um, landing into, you know, airfields that are, you know, under attack, unloading vehicles, taking army guys, SEAL teams, Ranger guys. That's wild. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. I don't think I would have been able to stay in 24 years if I wasn't a flyer. It was, uh, you know, basically being able to be in the air force and actually flying on an aircraft, um, you know, and being a part of the mission was, it was hugely, you know, uh, I, I loved it. It was, it was tough. It was actually tough for me to decide to actually, you know, take the flight suit off and, and retire. Um, and still, I still talk to my buddies and there's days that you kind of just like, boy, it'd be great to just be up in the clouds today. Yeah. But, um, yeah. We all want to fly. I want to fly. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you, look yeah. like you, you seem every time I met you, you have a positive energy about you. Um, going through this, right. Cause your whole deal is like, I want to help bets, right? How, how, did you have any struggles like after you were out? Um, you know, I, it's interesting that I think everybody has a different story. Um, and I think people in the military are affected differently. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, the branch of service or, or what basically what they did, you know, for me, you know, being a flyer, um, I knew when I was going into war, I knew basically when I was flying in Afghanistan and Iraq, just basically due to the limitations of what their capabilities were as the enemy, I knew when I was going to be under threat or under a threat environment, it was during takeoffs and landings, right? Because they didn't really have any, you know, surface to air missiles that could reach out and touch you. They didn't have really any big radar guided, you know, uh, air force platforms that were chasing our aircraft. Um, so me, I think it was really easy for me to compartmentalize when I came back knowing that, it was always kind of a predetermined time um, that we were basically under fire, under stress, um, you know, and then sometimes your fobs and the places that you're staying at are kind of, um, you know, under attack or stuff. But 
for me, I didn't have a huge, um, I guess, issue with, with PTSD. Um, I definitely, you know, have some recall. I don't think anybody could be, you know, in a position in their life serving and being in war that you don't have some of it. Um, but for me, I think mine is, is very manageable and it's very easily to come, you know, put into comp, you know, put in a a compartment basically. Um, but I, I know a lot of the guys that I, that are in my foundation right now don't have that easy of a mentality of, you know, being able to deal with that daily. Some of these guys were, you know, army Rangers that I have, uh, you know, on the foundation, some of the Marines, uh, you know, those guys that are walking around, not knowing, you know, around every corner, that stress environment. So for me personally, mine, mine wasn't as difficult as it is for some, but I guess the, the drive to continue to do something to foster veterans is, was always huge for me. Um, I did lose a lot of friends, um, I think probably the hardest person that I lost in war was, was a good friend that I flew with. Her name was Anissa Seidel. Um, she was a loadmaster with me when I first started flying um, all the way back in Afghanistan, uh, pre-Afghanistan, I meant flying into Bosnia back in 96, 95. Um, and she was the first female casualty um, in Afghanistan in 2002 when her plane got basically crash landed uh, coming out of a, an airfield out of Afghanistan. Basically the weight and balance in the aircraft was bad, bad weights. Um, aircraft got off about 200 feet and basically couldn't maintain flight and the aircraft crashed and uh, her and the other loadmaster basically were, uh, were killed. And so I think that, um, that might've been maybe some of the driving factor is losing, losing those close friends that you had, you know, daily interactions in life with that are no longer there. And then you look at their families and you see the differences of what they're losing. So um, I didn't want that to transcribe, you know, to guys that get out and that feel lonely or feel that isolation. Um, We wanted to create something that lets veterans know that, Hey, there's other veterans around that are, that are around and they're thinking just like you, they have the same, same, you know, experiences and, and together um, you can kind of combat this as a team, you know, find outlets, um, stay physically, you know, the, the, the five pillars of mental health wellness, right? We all know that, you know, stay physical, stay mental. And then if you don't have the mental health, be able to reach out into an environment that you can. Um, so it was really important to basically um, structure the hockey foundation with warrior suicide prevention and basically just make this little spoke in a wheel. So that way guys that, you know, didn't want to feel like they want to go to the VA to talk to a doctor that they have no idea um, how they're, what they've felt or the experience that they've gone through or, or see a civilian psychiatrist that maybe doesn't understand um, those deep, dark places that occur at nighttime. Sometimes, you know, give them an opportunity to speak with somebody that was, you know, had the same experiences. So when when uh, veterans get together like this, it seems I think in the the casual listeners here because I'll throw myself into that category. Like it just seems so natural, right? Uh, of course, you would want to hang out with other people who uh, share your your common interests or your previous job. But that's not been my understanding of how these groups form. It's often like pulling teeth to get people to join up, or bare minimum to advertise to the point that you you get people in how has your experience been and and is there even a generality that we can draw with regard to involving the people you want to reach you know i think everybody's a little hesitant at first i think you're 100 percent right um 
you kind of don't know what you're getting in. There's, you know, there's you're cutting away the stigma, I believe, of, of veterans. Um, you know, not every veteran is mentally broken or, you know, tied right. to, you know, being attached to pharmaceutical drugs that they need to get through daily life. Um, so I think at first there is a little bit of standoff. Um, it, you know, for me to bring the veterans into the, into the hockey foundation, it wasn't really difficult. It kind of word of mouth really blew up. Um, and guys were just looking for something to do something physical, something to be a part of. Um, so in terms of that, I guess participation with, with guys that are, that I play with or that play with us, it wasn't really difficult. Um, but when you're talking about resources and other companies or donations and, you know, charities and businesses that you're looking to kind of help support. Um, yeah, that is difficult. Um, you know, it is, it, it, they know, not they, understand it or, or is it just to sell? Or are there too many people with their hands out looking for donations? Like what, what are the hiccups here? I think that's part of it. I think there is a lot of, there's a lot of charities out there. Um, and I, I, I guess, you know, um, you, you would think that out here in Vegas right now, you know, hockey is so big. You know, everybody loves the Knights. Like, it totally changed the dynamic of Las Vegas for for listeners that don't really follow hockey or have anything to do with it. But Las Vegas was kind of this, you know, city that people automatically assumed that everybody lived on the Strip. They didn't really realize that it was a pretty big, tight-knitted community. Um and, and when the when the nights came and the uh, October first happened, it basically just bonded this team with the city. And and hockey is huge out here now. You can't drive down the street without seeing a Knights logo or a sticker. Um, so it formed this tight bond with the sport, you know. And now we're trying to basically, you know, not caveat or jump on their back, but it's something that we'd already done as you know played hockey in our past. But now trying to use it, you know, with with veterans in the big you know, community that's out here. Um, so I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I wish I, I wish I could pick apart where the real dilemma is. Cause then I think I could probably be a little bit more successful if I had to kind of change the business model or, or figure out how I could attract um, the right people, you know, to want to be involved. Yeah. I, I have a question for you. There's all these aha moments when you, you start an organization, a 501 C three, Um, they become anecdotal, but like, it makes you feel good. It's the moment, you know, that you made the right decision to start something that changed somebody's life. Do you have a story you can share? Um, obviously not naming names, but where you actually saw this massive positive effect on somebody, you know? Yeah. And, and sometimes you do, you get, you go through these, you go through all of these motions, right. And you're, you're, you get so focused in on, on creating something that you lose track of what you are creating it for. Um, and I, and I did very early on when we first finished, actually, you know, got the, you know, the, the state finally recognized Vegas veterans hockey foundation as a, as a 501 C three and a nonprofit. Um, and we had a, we had a Saturday skate. Um, one of our basically had 35 guys that came out to the Las Vegas ice center and, you know, people are kind of just learning how to, you know, interact. Nobody really knew who they were. We're kind of a little bit of banter um, that goes on in the locker room, you know, army guys going after the, the Marine guys and making fun of us, the air force guys all the time. So you have this really cool, you know, locker room talk. Um, and after I was kind of cleaning up my hockey bag, putting my stuff in there and one of our members comes up and 
it was basically where it hit me that what we're doing is, is huge because he said, you know, two weeks ago, I don't know that I would have been here today. And it got a little, a little heavy for a second. And he said, my friend had told me that you should go check out this foundation because he knew that I was in a really bad place and that I was basically almost a pretty close step away from, you know, taking a bullet. And I thought, what do I have to lose? You know, I played hockey before they're veterans. Maybe I had to go check it out. And we had, I hadn't know, I hadn't really thought about it, but the first week that he came out, he was kind of quiet, um, kind of guess probably taking in this, you know, this, you know, environment. And then it was the second week we had had a back to back skate that he had said that. And so when he had returned back and he had said that he had just felt a bond um, that he hadn't had before with guys that, that he hadn't had in, in Vegas. Um, so I think we've had, that was the, the first moment. And, and since then um, we've had a couple of other guys that have reached out and have said, you know, if it wasn't for the foundation, I really wouldn't know where to belong to what were to be around, you know, or, or some of the people that are, you know, we have guys that weren't actually even playing hockey that just want to go out and help, you know, be a part of a veteran group, be around guys that, that know what's going on. But yeah, so I guess that was the first, the first moment without getting too, uh, too, too dark, but yeah, um, awesome. he did have it. Yeah, that's great. You know, that, it just shows the importance of, of why these are necessary. These organizations like, like what you do is yeah. necessary. You know, we talk a lot and I know, you know, this Mike, and it, sometimes it's, it's, we use this word awareness, right? Let's bring awareness, awareness, you know, let's, let's, you know, 22 deaths a day, you know, people are been beat down with awareness. Like we've got awareness down. Everybody knows, you know, there's a struggle in the veteran community with, with suicide. Um, but it's really doing something that's actionable. That's the change. That's what, that's where I think the philosophy has to change. It's what do you do that actually changes? What is there, is there something that you do? And that's what we try to do is we actually give them something to go to something that they're a part of something that they're attached to. They build a bond with the family. Now, guess what? Now they're kind of, you know, situated with a little family. Um, but yeah, I think we've talked about it enough in the world you know, we've, we have enough memes and posters and Facebook, you know, posts about bringing awareness, but it really needs to change to making something happen, you know, and, and how do you get veterans together? You can't keep them isolated. You got to get them physically around each other. That's where the bond happens. That's where that sense of belonging happens again. That's where that rejuvenation of, you know, life occurs is when you're around other vets, you know, it's just, people are, are meant to kind of be together, um, you know, and, and, and that's really what it's about. I, I feel like if that's the one thing that I could, I guess, get people to understand is, is, is do something about it. Now we've talked about it. Let's do something about it. In your estimation, people who reach out and connect with the group, um, I'm guessing they span a, a wide, you know, variety of reasons, but how much is because they're in a critical place due to uh, injury from combat, not feeling good about themselves versus just sheer loneliness and, you know, the, the lack of connectivity or integration into the new community following discharge from service uh, versus any other reason, just camaraderie. It's fun. Like, 
and if I could stratify this on a on a scale, it's like you know the camaraderie fund is less important, but the critical yeah. place in life is really important. Like, wh- what are you seeing as like the pie chart of of your distribution there of participants? You know, we have definitely we have a lot of VA disability on the bench when you come out to a game. Um, I, I would have to say that it's probably because of the sport does have that physical um, draw to it. Most of their players. Which is interesting because we span all the way from we have a 20 year old kid who's active duty Air Force to we call our statesman uh, Rob, who's a retired uh, CHP officer um, and he was a retired Army veteran and he's 71 years old that skates with us. So we have this huge broad spectrum. So I think you get the guys that are first coming out of the military. you know, maybe they didn't do a full retirement, but they're, they're looking for that kind of, um, yeah, that, that, that draw, they, they need that, that mental, you know, basically they were beat down, uh, not a sense of, you know, belonging. We get that. And then, um, you do, you get that, you know, camaraderie where you just want to be around somebody that knows hockey. Oh yeah. And by the way, you know, they're a veteran, um, or they're, Hey, these guys are really into doing stuff for, you know, this charity shade tree, you know, the food, you know, and and so they kind of jump into that aspect as well. So I think we have kind of a broad, uh, very wide dynamic of, you know, basically members that join with us and then skate with us and participate with us. And absent that organization, what, what do veterans do when they need to connect? Like, or is it just, there's such a lack of opportunity that, they don't we go exist. shoot guns. That's basically yep. right. I mean, <laughs> there it is, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, there is. There's such a draw with uh, with with firearms and veterans, and um, and I, I think maybe that's where the tie with the hockey kind of comes into. It's always that that need to do something, you know, physical, you know, and um, which is a, which is an interesting thing because we do get some sponsorship from like Strip Gun Club. Um, you know, and sometimes you have that like, oh, wait, these are veterans. And then there's that such that weird stigma that I love that you guys talk about, you know, and firearms and veterans. And are these guys dangerous? And should we take their guns away? And, you know, this whole huge, you know, thing that we we, we have some pretty interesting discussions in the locker room about, too. Um, <laughs> go go yeah, with it. Think, yeah, tell them. What are what are some of those those concerns and those discussions that you have? Because I mean, the, part of what we're trying to do with the show is like lift the lid on some of this stuff. So, that they- and you know, it really does. You know, like I said earlier, not all veterans are broken. You know, we're 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 definitely, um, you know, may may need a little bit of assistance here, or just really want to be understood. Um, and I think that firearms are just such a part of a daily task for a veteran that it basically becomes. You know, carrying a weapon is just like brushing your teeth daily. It's just that normal for us. And so when you hear a lot of these platforms that are trying to say, hey, these guys have mental mental health issues, we need to remove their firearms from their houses. You know, you, you start putting this defensive wall up and you're going, wait a second, you know, why do you automatically associate me that needs to, you know, wants to get out some, some boxed up things that, that you know, that I saw. You know, I, I saw one of my best friends, you know, get killed in combat. You know, why are you looking at trying to remove, you know, basically one of my First Amendment rights, you know, Second Amendment rights to, you know, hold a weapon and just protect my family? So there's a lot of that stigma that comes out sometimes that, you know, veterans are broken and we should probably be careful on giving them guns, you know, or, or yeah, it's 
I didn't realize it, it was that pisses, pervasive. It kind of pisses you off sometimes, you yeah. know, when you think about it. I didn't realize it was that pervasive. I, because th- I, again, I'm not, I'm not running in those circles. I don't, I just certainly don't have locker room conversations. Um, and and I, in my mind, I'm like, who is it that's that's sharing this? Where is this information coming from that says veterans are unstable and they shouldn't have guns? Because in my perspective, it's it's like take the guns away from all unstable people. Uh, which we can have a debate about that, and I don't really care to. But I, I didn't. I guess I didn't appreciate that veterans believe they have a target on them specifically. It's like they're well, all, all the, broken but, and wounded. Look at all the movies that come out, though. Yeah, right. Those yeah. add yeah. right to the, the stereotype. It's like every movie is about a guy who can't keep it together, who's struggling, and it paints this picture that all veterans are just like you know the live wire, or it, it's kind. Of, it's a uh, like Chris Kyle, right? Like he had a million instances where he took people to range and they, it helped them. But what will that be remembered for? The yeah. one instance that was bad. The one guy. Yeah. And everyone like PTSD Marines, you know, like it just, the yeah, same. you know, where, you know where it comes from? Mainstream media, Hollywood. You, you, you hit it right there on the head of the nail, man. That's it. You, you get categorized by what they show people you know in movies you know that we're not movie stars you know we we've had you know what you see in a movie is what 30 percent correct on what we you know you can't watch a movie with a veteran because we're going to tear apart and dismantle every scene war scene in a movie and be like this is so ridiculous right now like my wife will refuse to watch any air force movie that has a plane or anything to do with it because you just dismantle it because it's not true um, so you get that same stigma that's happening right now. Yeah, you create a movie, you put a veteran in it who's struggling. Oh, his wife left him. He's drinking, you know. And now you're boxed in, and people find out. Oh, you're a vet, and the first thing they think about is, "Whoa, I saw this movie. I wonder if this is like that guy." I never, right? so, I never thought about that because I was like, "What movies have I not seen movies lately enough to like?" But then I started thinking. What, the first yeah. thing that popped into my head was uh, Lethal Weapon, and yeah. Mel Gibson's character in that. He was a Vietnam veteran, and and he was always on edge. And yes, his wife died and all that stuff. But but then I thought, Commando with Schwarzenegger or Shooter with uh, Marky Mark. They're like Mark, isolated, right? living in the hills, and like yeah. And <laughs> then maybe they're not on yeah. edge. Maybe they're not they're not keyed up, and they're not the live wire. But it's like I never thought of. There's a term in our field called introject. It comes from a guy named Carl Jung. It's basically an unquestioned belief or an assumption that was pushed into you over time that you probably weren't aware of, and it formed your worldview. and And we've been culturally introjected to believe that veterans are going to save the day <laughs> when all the civilians can't. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the ununiformed guy who got his you know straight discharge or whatever is going to like jump in the middle of the mall and start throwing bodies around. Um, the um, they're 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 alone, right? Uh, they have yes. all these tools and resources. They can like kill you with their pinkies, uh, which, um, and yeah. and and they're probably unstable along the way. So it's yep. I, I never I never considered that until just now, and it goes back. Yeah. Jay, Jay, think about the the movie the the guy comes home from war, starts a small business, becomes completely successful, yeah. total family man, raises his kids great. Passes away of old age. Like <laughs> that doesn't sell. Dude, you say that? That? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, who's going, who wants to watch that movie? No, right. want to see somebody that's, you know, crazed, deranged, that's going out to seek revenge that, you know, 
Yeah, I, I, I would say that's where a lot of that disassociation comes from. Yeah. You know? I, I, I was exposed. So, you know, my grandfather was in the military, but we didn't, I didn't grow up, you know, in that kind of lifestyle. Um, but when I got into the firearms industry, I started to take notice. I'm like, am I the only person that isn't, wasn't in the military at some point? Because it felt like that. Right. Um, but so I've been exposed to a ton of vets that are just completely normal everyday businessmen at this point. And it's, it's so it's weird when you do notice, I never would have guessed like we'd be in this space, Jake, where we're working with the VA and everything like that. Um, you know, it's wild, but yeah, people don't, you know, if you're not around it and you only get your stuff in the the news or the, the, you know, television or the movies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To your point about never thought about working in this space. I mean, I, I definitely did not think I'd be where I am now. I mean, it was through just pure happenstance and, you know, joining up with you, Mike. But um, I couldn't be happier for it because as I turn around, I'm like, oh, I actually know a lot of people who served in the military. Uh, some of my best friends from childhood who are, who are still in um, all the way to, you know, local community members. And I'm like, man, it's like, I find myself in this space where I'm a clinician, I'm a firearms owner, I'm I'm loud and boorish when I'm swinging my fist against, you know, the the orthodoxy of the profession and like how things can go. be better. Um but I, but there's at times it seems like there's just so much to be done because we're so deficient in so many areas it can be quite crippling and and paralyzing. So I love going back to what Jason was saying is like do something, right? Stop stop being yeah. an activist and start taking action. Do something. Yeah, it's, it requires per, real sacrifice to do it, but that's how you make an impact. Yeah. I mean, I, I love seeing, you know, I'll open up a Facebook and, and you know, there's 5,000, you know, hey, this positive, you know, oh, I'm, I'm changing my, I'm going to put a ribbon around my picture. That's great. I mean, it's good to have that, but there needs to be actionable, thing, actionable things now, you know, get some guys out on the ice, do something, go play volleyball, create a volleyball team, do something, go for a hike. Um, and I, I think I just heard about it. I have to do a little bit more research, um, Mike, but I think there's a community that's getting kind of together doing, uh, up at Red Rock out here in Vegas to start doing local hikes, um, and just really trying to do stuff outdoors. And I, I think there's a change in environment with, with veterans nowadays as well. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of the guys really are into hanging out at the VFW much anymore. Like that used to be, that is kind of the hangout where veterans went. You know, they, they just went to the VFW on Friday nights. That, that was what my dad did. My dad was an Army guy, and he was at the VFW every Friday night for 6 o'clock, you know, fried chicken and corn. You know, that's what they did. Um, but it seems like there's been a shift, and we're veterans now. Um, they want to they do something. They want to be involved. Um, you know, if that's anything that's physical or a club, you know, there's even car clubs or something like that. It's just – do something. Yeah. I actually brought you up um, one day. My daughter plays tennis and her instructor, um, he has a nice little organization, uh, was saying that he wants to get in this space where he actually helps some vets and maybe gets them out on the tennis court. And I brought up your organization yeah. and stuff like that. And he, I said, when you're ready, I'd love for him to be able to talk to you because maybe you can give him some guidelines. But he wanted to add yeah. that, you know, 
tennis is something that like for me, if I was trying to, to, I can't skate and I can't, <laughs> I can't play hockey, but I can go out there and kind of run around on a tennis court and embarrass myself. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, that's the action we're talking about. You know, that's, yep. that's what I like yeah. to see. So. Yeah. It's get out there, you know, do something, be attached to somebody, you know, learn something about somebody else, you know, that, and that's really what it is. Just the worst thing that we can do right now is to isolate and segregate. You know, keep these guys in dark places, especially right now with the holidays. You know, this is the worst time, you know, for veterans that are, you know, transitioning that have, you know, literally the worst thing that could be occurring right now. Holidays, COVID, isolation, you know, right now is the peak of basically the bad storm. Um, you know, and I really hope that when there's, you know, when these numbers do come out that, that maybe we've progressed a little bit as a society that maybe have made an impact that we don't have those big um, huge things, you know, hopefully, you know, we're trying to do as much stuff too, like zoom meetings and zoom calls and it's great, but you, you just miss that physical presence, you know, and that's, what's difficult right now, obviously with trying to stay, you know, as, as safe as we can with, you know, COVID and, you know, all the requirements of being 10 feet or whatever it is now this week, I forget every week it's like six feet or four or two or, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah, expressing that challenging. frustration. Um, I, I guess we're not seeing it up here. Maybe it's different leadership, um, or or maybe it's the organization's policies or the or the arena. But you were talking about how with your kids because you coach children too. I do, yeah. So I coach the uh, I coach a couple of uh, of the local programs out here, and you know, luckily, I, I mean, so so thankful for these kids to be able to have the opportunity to get out, um, you know, and step on the ice because that's that physical. F- wellness that they need you have these kids that are you know attached to their computer screens um so you're talking about you know a whole nother form of you know mental stress now we're doing this to kids you know and to get them out on the ice and at least have the ability to go skate get a little exercise have that team bonding i see some of the same things in our youth kids our youth teams that i see in my veterans teams you know, you see the family starting to bond together. You see, you know, hey, let's go hang out here. And it seems to be the only thing that is actually happening sports-wise in Vegas right now is that they still have the option to be on the ice. Now, they have jumped through hoops um, with, like me, I have to get positive, you know, not positive. I got to get tested every week um, to make sure that we can be around the kids. For a while, they're trying to figure out the dynamics of, you know, cut people out of the stands, don't put them in the stands, you know, stay 10 feet away, don't put them in the arena. Um, and no matter what hoops they're jumping with, I'm just thankful that they haven't shut down hockey for the kids. The kids can still go to the arena, they can put on their gear and they can go skate and they can get a little escape away from the computer that they're forced to be at home for eight or nine hours a day trying to do distance learning. Yeah. That's it's critical, and I don't want to turn this conversation negative because it's really easy to just start piling on to the yep. inconsistencies of policy and all that stuff. But um, it, it is critical that we provide whatever opportunities we can, and I guess that raises a question in my head. Getting back to like veterans and connectivity and whatnot, what's how, how much importance do we place or do we need to place on veterans hanging out with other veterans as opposed to just veterans doing anything? you know, like go, go do whatever, but go do it. Right. Go be around other people. How, how, how is, how is that important or not important? Interesting that you say that. And and I think it's definitely important for, for veterans to go out and do anything, but I think that they have a better opportunity of success 
um, when they just meet somebody that they could, that has been in the same type of environment, the same, some of the same experiences, right? It's kind of like a buddy from college that, you know, you, you may have gone 10 years, but you can pick up right away. I can go meet somebody that's a, an army vet right now. I have never met him in his life. And I guarantee I could at least have a pretty meaningful conversation about what he did in his past, um, where he was, where did he deploy, you know, a little bit about his army situation. I have an instantaneous connection with anybody that has served. So it's almost like that open door that you kind of get taken away when you first meet people, you still have that, you know, that, you know, introductory phase. I think with that, it's automatically gone and you can just automatically start, you know, being a little bit closer knit, a little bit tighter. So to do it with a veteran, I think is, I don't want to say it's better, but I think it has a little bit more, a little bit more impact. Does it, does that ever pose a challenge? Like do people not want to hang out with other veterans because of the familiarity? Do, do people, do they want to just like, look, that was in my past and I don't want to go there. I just want to move forward with my life. If it wasn't my identity, then it was just a job, you know, something like that. You know, I haven't personally met anybody that's like that. Hmm. Um, I have actually have a, quite a few veterans that have nothing to do with my own foundation because one, they didn't play hockey. Um, or even though we kind of try to beg them, Hey man, look, we can teach you to skate. They just they're you know, like, nah, it's not my thing. You know, I don't even want to learn how to skate. You know, it's not even fun, but I still have those friends around, yeah. you know, that are there. So I was thinking uh, like, ho- like I do homebrewing. That would be, it would be cool to do a, like a veterans homebrewing club. Oh Yes. That would be cool. Heck yeah. Super easy Let's to do. do. Pretty cheap. Um, baseball is another one. Granted, you, you need fields. And if Vegas is anything like Reno, fields are disappearing by the truckload and, and or they're gobbled up by, by children, you know, youth sports. Um, youth sports, yep. But, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking out of the box and I'm like, you know, what are other ways we could integrate so that we we don't end up with the loneliness? Um, you know, we do have a, a community. And that's it. It's really trying to expand on different things, right? Because people have different, you know, different things that they enjoy. Um, and now it's trying to, find those and then bring other veterans around it. So you can, you can be a little bit closer. Well, if you're listening to this program and you're anywhere in the country, you know, look around your local communities and see what, what you, what do you like to do and then extend the invitation, right? You know, like, what do I like to do? I like homebrewing. I could do that consistently. And all I do is just throw out a a Facebook message or something, you know, and invite people in. That wouldn't be so hard. It doesn't have to be this big, you know, heavy lift of nope. like, you know, for, forming a 501c3 and nope. soliciting donations and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it's, it really is, is what people just need to do. It's just, like I said, just take action, create whatever it is that you're involved with. Um, you know, people that want to give back and they're kind of like, man, I have no idea. I'm not into hockey. I'm not into sports. You said it. What do you enjoy? You know, like you said, like craft beer and you know how fun that would be. I have no idea how to make beer. I like to drink beer. <laughs> But I'd love to be able to do that. And you get a couple of, you know, people that are kind of like your personality or have some of your experiences. That's going to be a great time. It's easier than you think. If you can cook it at is. all, you can you can brew beer. Cooking show. Right. The cooking. We had the barbecue for 22. You yeah. know, who doesn't like to, you know, smash down some barbecue every once in a while? You know, I, I, I actually learned a lot from Mark. I, had, I enjoyed eating barbecue ribs. I never knew how to make them. So it, you're right, 100%. It's just doing small things. And then opening yourselves up, I think, is, is a lot of things, too. Is the veteran themselves has to be open for, um, you know, different experiences as well, you know. Do you, do you find it hard to get, you know, shifting gears into the mental health stuff, do you find it hard to invite veterans 
you know, these grizzled combat hardened people <laughs> to, to become vulnerable and open up or do they just, does it just yeah. kind of happen naturally? It is difficult. No, it's uh it's, it's definitely, it takes the right environment. I, I will be a hundred percent honest. Um, it, it, there's, there's a lot of that standoffish, you know, it's kind of seeing who you are as a person, you know, are you trustworthy? Most veterans will automatically usually have a little bit of trust towards somebody else that had served. Um, but to get those barriers taken back down and, and taken to a point where you feel confident and comfortable to talking with somebody about those, um, I definitely think it's like any relationship. You're going to have to build that trust um, in that person for them to come out. I do think it's a heck of a lot easier um, for veteran to veteran. I mean, I see it. We see it every weekend in our in our locker room. You know, it's it's not necessarily what what we get out on the ice, uh, which is our physical and our fun part. But what we get out of the locker room itself, the bonding, the talking, the the chatter, the, you know, the messing with the services, all of that is what I can't even put a price tag on how important that aspect of what it is that we get out of it. Yeah, it's a dugout or the bullpen. Same thing. Yeah, it's exactly it. Yep. Yeah, they, you know, being around so many so many people that are are from this area, it, it's funny the ribbing about the different services. Oh, it's like it, it, you can almost guarantee that if there's a couple of different <laughs> services, oh, yeah. That's, yeah, it's coming. I I get a chair force all the time. I mean, we throw you know crayons into our marine guys' hockey bags. You know. It's, <laughs> It's, uh, it's hilarious. You know, we're, we're actually very lucky. We have, um, we do, we have some, we have some good guys that actually are ambassadors for the foundation, um, that help do kind of drive it. And maybe that's where a lot of the success has come from as well. Um, you know, we have Alex Tuck, number 89 from the Vegas Golden Knights, um, who is one of our ambassadors and he is so dedicated to the foundation and ensuring that, you know, uh, the veterans are out there. He, he's come out to every, Basically, every time we've asked him to do, um, you know, a public event, we had a, we just had a, a skate against the Vegas Sentinel team out here, and we're kind of trying to form this bond with our local Metro Fire um, first responder team, um, and we basically just had to pick up game, a skate, and Alex Tuck has, will always come out and support us. Um, and then the cool part is, is that we actually have uh, Chris Kale from uh, five finger death punch. The bassist is also a huge, uh, he's another ambassador with us and a beer guy. And, yeah. Yeah. The dreads, you know, and, and people see Chris, no, no beer. And, <laughs> oh beer. Oh yeah. He does. He has his own beer, which is great because he it's doesn't, delicious. he doesn't drink. Yeah. He's really, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. That's wild. That's yeah. a good beer. Too. Yeah. He's been, been sober now, I think for like two years, but huh. uh, yeah, but he knows how to create beer. Yeah. The Chris kale pale L. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's great. Like, so when you get to see Chris, you see this, you see this persona, this like hardcore, you know, rock star. I mean, he is, he's got the dreadlocks and then you, you have this conversation with him and he's so uh, evenly tempered and he's a huge patriot, obviously loves veterans, first responders, military. Um, so he does help us kind of spread the word and puts us on his platform, um, just to talk about positivity and veterans, positivity in the community. Uh, so we do have that, I guess, going for us as well, which does help. That's pretty awesome. What a great yeah. community. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, very fortunate. Yeah, I, I bag on Vegas because it's Vegas. Um, but 
and, and there's a there's a big north south <laughs> fight in Nevada. For those of you who don't know Nevada, if you're born and raised in northern Nevada, like I am, and I'm fifth generation. You don't like Vegas. Um, they're they're the, the the economic generator for the entire state, but but we don't we don't like them. And, it's, and the <laughs> universities fight, and one's red and the other's blue. And I mean, it's like it's a big deal. And we're six and a half hours apart. It's not it's not even like we're close. But um, yeah, getting to Reno is not easy. No, it's not. It's I mean, uh. it's a it's a 50, 50 minute flight, but it's also like if you're driving, it's a it's a pretty boring drive through not a lot. And, um, I don't know, I enjoy it, but you're always going like slow and fast as you go through these small towns and it's, it's annoying, but to, to, to Vegas credit, I think a lot of people, uh, certainly in Northern Nevada, but I think broadly we do, we just think of it as this fragmented community of only transplants and, right. and they're transients and, and you don't ever, nobody ever moves to Vegas on purpose. You accidentally end up there and then you resent your life because you, you didn't get to wherever you're going. And, uh, <laughs> And it's not at all that way. There's actually a deep, strange, deep community bonding. And I think it was enhanced for sure. It was enhanced yep. with after one October for sure. Yep. Um, but like, like you're saying, like celebrities live next door to common people, you know, like the guy whose face is on the billboard is like three streets down from wherever you are. And like your kids go to the same gym and it's, yep. and, and it's, it's not this stratified thing. Like, like LA it's, it's very different. It's very different. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. I, I lived in Santa Monica for a while and what I got out of the friendships there, I, I maybe two people that I still talk to and I lived, you know, five blocks from the beach, you know, yeah. right off the pier for seven years. And I don't really know. I, I felt more of a stranger there than I do here in Vegas. Yeah. I feel way more community bonding and, and oriented here than I ever did uh, living down there. Which is strange because it right. takes like 45 minutes to drive across town. I mean, it's like, it's huge. Yeah. It's spread way out, but it works. And there's little neighborhoods and pockets of people that are, you know, tighter than others. And um, it's a neat, it's a neat dynamic. It really is. I'll still never live there. <laughs> <laughs> 117 degrees in the summer now that does get a little ridiculous i'm not gonna lie there there are those weeks there where you're kind of like what the come on you know but then i also today I, i'm i stepped outside i have a i have a t-shirt and shorts on right now i walked in the mailbox you know and it's a brisk 58 degrees yeah we're recording you know? this mid-december by the way it probably won't drop until <laughs> you know late january but yeah that's that's saying something there is that that's kind of nice Hey, uh, I want to be, you know, respectful of time and mindful of everybody's uh, calendar budget. Uh, Mike, do you want to? You, you got anything, or do you want to? Want to? I want to ask my question, Jason. How do you tend to your mental health? How do you tend to your mental health? Um, you know, I'll be honest. Um, I've I have gotten to be, and, and maybe this is I evolved over over years. And maybe it's now because I'm 47, and and I I can actually take a little bit deeper of a look you know, by myself, by maturing and getting a little bit wiser. Um, mental health for me, um, I do it through physical fitness, honestly. Um, you know, going into the gym, getting out on the ice, uh, that, that to me makes my brain seem to work better. So, you know, and, and it's just, and being open-minded um, and, and seeing different things. And I think my kids, having my children around, um, I just... I don't see stresses that much anymore. And I think being in the military has given me these tools 
um, that I can apply in life. And, and I, I'll, I'll flip this the other way where people are like, Oh, you know, veterans are stressed and you know strained, but there isn't anybody that I feel like I could be in an environment where, where everybody else thinks it's complete chaos and mayhem and pandemonium is happening. But I could put that into a box real clearly and, and see, you know, without having those stressors around. I think if there's one thing that, that is trained veterans and military guys is that you have the ability to compartmentalize when all, all hell is breaking loose. Um, and so I think mental strong strength and, and mental wellness for me um, comes through different aspects in life. Um, I don't think I have just one thing that I do. Um, I, I, you know, I include yoga and workouts daily. So for me, I think it's the physical fitness that kind of helps form that strong mental mental wellness for myself. You do look like you could pull a traffic light out of the ground and bend it in half. <laughs> Maybe he has. Maybe he has. <laughs> Not tried that one yet. <laughs> the, 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 the week isn't over. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. And I do appreciate that you, you referenced the tools that you got from being in the military. Cause I think that's often overlooked. It's like, Everything in the military, once you get out, is like some sort of detriment to your life. Unless you're watching the commercials where they're like preparing you for your career, right? Um, right. But the soft skills that you learn, things like compartmentalization, we try to teach that consciously. We want to do that consciously, not unconsciously. When you're unconsciously right. compartmentalizing things, they, they boil over. Um, but when you're, you're purposely going, you know what? I acknowledge that life is kind of crummy right now or this moment is, yep. is weird. And you go, I'm going to set this aside for now and deal with whatever I have to deal with. That's a great asset. And I think a lot of people overlook their, their ability to do that, whether or not they were taught purposely or unintentionally. They, they yep. forget they have that ability. How old are your kids, by the way? Uh, see, my oldest is 17, my boy is 17. Then I have a 11 year old daughter, a, uh, a soon to be in about another two weeks, nine year old daughter. And then a, uh, a four year old little girl. So, four kids. You almost have a hockey team, bro. Keep going. Just about. Yeah. Yeah. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Kids are wonderful. And they true. are. And they're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah. I was, I was very fortunate to be able to, to have the kids come in my life. That's cool. Uh, I think that's that's what grounded me. Nice. Well, well how do people you. get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, you know, 100% we have a VVHF, Vegas Veterans Hockey Foundation, is all over social media. We're on Facebook, uh, Instagram. We have our website, which is uh, www.vvhffoundation. And foundation, the word is spelled out, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N, and it's .org for our website but yeah social media is the easiest way you know facebook instagram appreciate you thanks for thanks for doing what you do and uh, yeah thank you guys i really appreciate that you know being able to to talk about you know veteran you know it it, it makes me feel good you know and it, it that, that there's probably where my mental wellness comes from is being able to stay engaged in, into these aspects yeah, it's, um, so, it's a double dip. You give back while you're benefiting yourself. I mean, certainly skating around helps, you know, physically. Yeah. And and that's true. Like exercise we know is uh, empirically proven to be more beneficial longer term than, than SSRIs uh, for, for right. things like depression and anxiety. So so that's not that's not just, you know, your own interpretation of it. That's that's data driven. Um, but then, you know, you get the idea of like you're actually contributing to the betterment of society and that, that helps you sleep at yeah. night too, you know. 
It does. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for, you know, helping me on and, and, and for what you guys are doing, because if it wasn't for you guys, you're, you're giving us the platform to be able to talk about something that's so important to us. Um, and those messages get lost and without, you know, the support, uh, you know, of, of, you know, guys like you guys that, that take time out of your day and listen and learn. Um, I think that speaks dynamics to, to you. And I think we need more guys um, like you in this world to help us. So I appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Really do. Yep. Well, on behalf of our Walk the Talk America family and our Zephyr Wellness family, we invite you to share this podcast around because it doesn't do any good just locked up in here. So make sure you send it to somebody. Spread the knowledge, spread the joy, spread the wealth, and we appreciate you. Thanks again, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, boys. Yeah, have a good one.